As I mentioned to you last week, we're going to interrupt the Garden of Amuna. We're in the middle of a session called Faith in Times of Success. We're going to stop this week that for a moment, and we're going to go to a Rosh Chodesh class. So we're, this coming Sunday is Rosh Chodesh Kislev. So this class is not a Garden of Amuna class. It's the Rosh Chodesh Energy Series. You saw the invite. Uh, the title is Redirecting Darkness. That's what we're going to be talking about. What is Kislev most famous for? Which holiday? Hanukkah. Festival of Lights. Where does the Festival of Lights go? So there's very interesting laws about the menorah. Very unusual laws. Number one, we never, we never put a mitzvah on the left side. Uh, again, for righties. Left-handed. Uh, the Shulchan Aruch says that their left hand is everyone else's right hand. But we always do it with the right hand. So much so that if a Kohen actually does a service with his wrong hand, it makes it uh, not kosher. So we're very specific. And yet the menorah goes on the left side. Not only that. Normally, the mitzvahs refer to the inside, the menorah in the holy temple. We always have inside the temple. Where do we put the menorah of the uh, Hanukkah, the Hanukkah menorah? We have it, Pesach Beto Mibachutz, from the outside. And here is the most important for tonight's class. I'll soon show you that they're all connected together. But what's most important is that we specifically do it from when the sun sets. Now, normally, our sages teach us that whenever the rabbis instituted something, they institute what they're doing in likeness to the biblical commandment. Okay? Everything our sages establish, they establish it very similar to the way the Torah establishes the mitzvah. Yet, the menorah of the Hanukkah, which was established all about the menorah in the holy temple, there are so many differences which I just mentioned to you inside versus outside, by day versus by night. So therefore, most often when we talk about Hanukkah in the month of Kislev, we talk about redefining darkness. Because left, dark, outside, all carry Kabbalistically the same theme. Light, right, and inside, all carry Kabbalistically the same theme. It gets more interesting. God sets up everything. We have a beautiful teaching from the Shlach HaKadosh that the holidays reflect, even though they were post-Parsha, they were post the five books of Moses, Hanukkah happened, Hanukkah can't be in the Torah. Hanukkah happened after, way after Moses. But the Shlach HaKadosh teaches us that there's always a correlation. Tonight, the class also has a very strong correlation. What is this week's Torah portion? Told us of what? Yitzchak, the son of Avram, and Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. Double language. We're going to cut straight to the chase because I want to talk about the Rosh Chodesh, not the Parsha. But a lot of what I'm going to share with you tonight is actually a mimer, a Hasidic discourse that the Rebbe said on this week's Torah portion in 1958. That would be 57 before January. So, we're taught that Avraham is light, and Yitzchak is darkness. We say in the verse, we say it in the blessing, we always say it every morning in davening, Yotzer Or Uvorechoshech. He formed light and he created darkness. Now, how in the world will we refer to one of our forefathers as darkness? If I just shared with you a moment ago that darkness is left, darkness is outside, Darkness is what Kabbalah calls the other side. How, God forbid, 
can we refer to Isaac as Choshech? And yet that's what Kabbalah does. Kabbalah talks about Avraham being light and Yitzchak being Choshech, darkness. It gets even more interesting. We're also taught that when Mashiach comes, we're going to be focusing not on Abraham as in the blessing Magen Avraham, but we're going to be calling it Yitzchak. We have the verse that tells us that we will say unto Isaac, and you we will call our father. Let's back up a moment. Why, even though we mentioned all three of our forefathers in the beginning of the Amidah, do we not say Magen, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov? Blessed are you, God, shield of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We only say shield of Abraham. And that has to do with a verse that God told Abraham that with you, they will bless. So we learn out from here that the closing of the blessing, even though it's called Birchat Avot, of all the forefathers, the blessing, nevertheless, we close specifically with Abraham. That will change when Mashiach comes. When Mashiach comes, we're going to talk about Isaac, and you we will call our father. The emphasis. Obviously, all three are our fathers, but the emphasis. So the question over here is, we just refer to Isaac as darkness. How do we do that? On top of that, we refer to Isaac that when Mashiach comes and we will reach the epitome of the mission of fulfillment of creation, we're going to refer to Isaac, you are our father. So obviously we need to redefine the word darkness. So with that being said, let's back up a moment. I mentioned in the invite that everyone in life, we go through times of darkness. You know, uh, we should never know from it. I was at a shiva home, and one of the things you say, there's different customs, Ashkenazim, Svardim. Ashkenazim say a whole sentence before they leave. Svardim just say one word. But one of the things that Ashkenazim do very often after they say the whole Hamokim Yinachem Etchem, may God comfort you amongst the mourners in Zion, Yerushalayim, they'll add on in Yiddish or in English. You shouldn't know no more from suffering and nothing, only from here on, happiness. Someone was sitting there and told me that he heard from a rabbi that he doesn't say that. What do you mean you shouldn't know no more from suffering? And Life has its fair share of suffering. That was what he was telling me. So he says, but what did this rabbi say? The rabbi said that in life we're going to go through journeys that aren't so pleasant. What I wish upon you is that from here on, there should be huge spaces between one such incident and the next, and the joyous occasions should far outnumber the non-joyous occasions. I'm not going to share my, uh, my opinion on that or not right now. I just do want to focus on that in life, we do have situations which we would refer to as dark, less than light, less than pleasant. It's part of the circle of life which is why mourners eat. We have in this week's Torah portion that he was making lentils, and Rashi tells us why lentils. And one of the reasons is that we, today we eat eggs instead of lentils, but the reason is that when you come back from the cemetery, you want to give the person who's mourning, you give them that to eat to show that it's round. Who's on bottom today will be on top tomorrow. The world turns. We go through it. It's a cycle. So therefore, understanding that God Almighty did plant within the life cycle that we should have situations which are less than pleasant, which tonight we'll refer to as dark, 
What are we supposed to do with them? What are we supposed to do with dark situations? Now let's go back to the class. So all of a sudden we're talking about darkness as two different interpretations. There's one interpretation of darkness as the absence of light, which is why Klippa, the other side, the evil side, is called darkness. Because there's the vessels and there's the light, and when the arrogance and the ego doesn't allow the light into the vessels, you have an experience of darkness. So we refer to the other side as darkness. When we refer to Kedusha, because Kedusha is about that humility, the holiness is about the humility and the openness of allowing light to permeate. And the holier and the holier and the holier is all a definition of level of transparency, higher and higher and higher. And the more transparency you have, the more connected the vessel is with the light, the holier it is to the point where the vessel becomes one with the light. And that's why holiness is called light. But in this translation that I've shared with you, which is the normal translation, we're defining darkness as the absence of light. And therefore, ultimately, you'll find again and again in the teachings of Hasidus and Kabbalah that to klippa, to darkness, to the other side, there can be no true existence. Unless there's a spark of light in it. Because the only definition of true existence is the spark of light, the existence of God. Now, when you have a being, a concept, which its entire being is all about contrary to the light, then we must say at some level that this is not a true existence. Because darkness, as in the absence of light, has no true existence. That is one definition of darkness, and that we spoke a year ago about. The definition of not fighting darkness with a broom, but turning on a light. Last year's Rosh Chodesh lecture on the topic of Kislev was exactly that. Tonight I want to share with you a different definition of Choshech. Let's go back to those words I shared with you in prayer. He formed light and he created darkness. One second. If darkness is the absence of, then you don't create that. You create light and in the absence of light you have darkness. You don't create darkness. Yet here we're saying no. He created darkness. Which means that darkness is not the absence of light. Darkness is a creation of its own. And if it's a creation of its own, it cannot be evil. Darkness, the absence of light, is where evil can fester. But darkness as the creation of darkness... God is everything and everything is God, it can't be bad. So now we're understanding that when we refer to Isaac as darkness, we're not talking about the darkness which is the absence of light, and all you have to do to end that darkness is turn on the light, bring light into your life, and you won't have darkness. Here we're talking about the creation of darkness. Darkness as a creation as an existence, not the void or absence of an existence. And now we get even more interesting, and we say that you should know 
that darkness, when we talk about darkness, not as the absence of light, but darkness as a creation, you should know that darkness is greater than light. And that is why when Mashiach comes, we won't be talking about Abraham, i.e. light. We'll be talking about a higher madrega, a higher level. What's higher than light? Voila, darkness. So all of a sudden, darkness has a different definition. It's not the darkness that we always speak about. Now we can understand the definition of redefining darkness. Because if we use an experience of darkness as the emptiness and absence of light to connect with the darkness which in our soul, which is even higher than light, we're then going to redefine darkness. I want to say this again. Because I gave you two definitions of darkness, and what you will always find in the Rebbe's teachings is that even though this darkness is all the way up here, the highest of high, this darkness is the lowest of low. Yet because of both darkness, there's got to be a relationship. And the relationship is that in the times of low darkness, we can facilitate the darkness within our soul, which is the highest darkness. I don't want to sound Kabbalistic here. I'm not wearing my white robe tonight. So I want to just make this plain and simple. When the road is smooth and it's not difficult to be Jewish, what part of your soul are you dealing with? Revealed faculties. What happens in a moment of darkness where you don't have the natural flow of light from your soul? What do you have to dig into now? All of a sudden, you can't rely on the light. So you have to rely on something which is beyond light. A piece of your soul that is what it is because there can be nothing else. Known to us as the pintalayid. Right? In Spanish, al chispa de judio. That spark. That unextinguishable spark. You can't do anything to it. It is, it was, and it always will be. It doesn't get bigger. It doesn't get smaller. It is. So you understand that in the moments of darkness, as in absence of light, you have no choice but to reach deep within your soul, beyond the light of the soul, into the essence of the soul. So now you understand that redefining darkness is using this difficult moment to get you out of cruise control. Why on the highway do they have reflectors between lanes? Because if you're snoozing, what are those bumps supposed to do? It's supposed to wake you up. So often we're in cruise control in our own life. And what happens then? We go through an experience of darkness. Why? To swallow us up alive? No. It's in order like the bumps on the road to wake us up and then you need to accelerate, right? <laughs> Not here hard to teach you how to drive wild, but the most control you have on, in a car is when you're accelerating. The worst thing to do in a turn is to hit the brakes. You hit the brakes before the turn, you pick up speed during the turn. So if you're going through a sharp turn in a skid in your life, you're experiencing darkness, it's not time to hit the brakes. It's time to accelerate to grab control of your life. If you're just going to slam the brakes and start skidding all over the place, that isn't a very good thing to do. So the purpose of darkness in life as an absence of light 
is in order to connect us with a different darkness within our soul, which is the essence of our soul, which is higher than light. Now let's get a little bit more Kabbalistic, guys. The definition of darkness, when we talk about Isaac of dar as darkness, is very deep. If we want to turn everything we just spoke into levels of Kabbalah, then understand that if my problem is that I cannot express myself to you, that is a darkness which isn't good. The absence of light. So if I understand what I'm trying to say, but I'm getting really frustrated and you're getting frustrated because I can't explain to you what I'm trying to say, that would be darkness as in the absence of light. Now here is a deeper darkness. The deeper darkness is not that I can't express myself to you, I can't even express myself to myself. In Kabbalah, that is a very huge level. The problem here, I shouldn't say the problem, but I'm using the word the problem. The problem is here is not that I cannot reveal to you, I can't express to you. I'm struggling for words, I'm struggling for metaphors. No. It's that we're dealing with such a level of light that the light, the essence of light is called darkness because the essence of light defies expression. I don't uh, have my PowerPoint set up here for you guys, but were I to have that, I would draw for you a ray of light. The ray of light would be something like this. There would be two lines, right? In between the two lines is the ray of light. And then what would I do on the side of those two lines? I would make the diagonal lines, right? That's the way you draw you want to show that something is shining, right? So you have the ray of light, and then you have the light, the lines that come off to the right and to the left, diagonally downwards, which is trying to express in art form the shine of the light. Stay with that picture in your mind for a moment. You see, light in Kambola is divided. There are those lines that come out, which is called the expression of the light. And then there is that little emptiness in between the two lines, which is called the essence of light. The essence of light can never express itself because it is essence of light. I, I, if I want to give you another example brought sometimes in Chassidus, that without the sun, we wouldn't have light. But if you stare straight at the sun, what are you going to see? A black dot in your eye. The essence of light defies the capacity of, of revelation. And that's why whenever we talk about revelation, we must be talking about the lower level of light, the external level of light. Let's give you another example, another metaphor, so we can really grab a hold of this concept. For those of you... I had to once take first aid uh, before I went to camp as being a counselor. In first aid, they teach you that the primary focus when you're coming to a scene is shock. We need to make sure that the victims are not in a state of shock. That's very dangerous. And 
you need to get the victim to start talking, start expressing, start screaming, start crying. We need to get them out of the silence of shock. Did you hear the word I just used? Silence of shock. Now, in light language, that would be revelation versus no revelation. Talking, screaming, hysterical, hyperventilating, that is expression. Absolute silence is the lack of revelation. What you need to do is you need to get the person to slowly start talking. You start doing things to the person. You try pulling the person. Why? Shock is when the system is overloaded. It can't deal with the issue. It's shutting down. How do you get a person to deal with the issue is by getting them to talk. Why? Because in the world of Kabbalah, speech is expression. You can never absolutely give over the essence of your feeling. That's why the greatest artists that ever walked the face of the earth were not happy people. We marvel at their masterpieces. They're disgusted by their masterpiece. We marvel on how they so eloquently and beautifully place their heart on canvas and they're disgusted because they look at what they did and that isn't the minutest reflection of what they were really experiencing. That is the gift and the curse of expressiveness. It allows me to share with you but I can never share with you essence. The minute I start talking, I'm giving form and shape to my feelings. The minute I give form and shape to my feelings, it's not essence. Essence defies form and shape. Are we making sense so far to everyone here? So what you're hearing over here is there's two parts in everything. There's the essence of it, which by definition is dark because it defies any expressiveness. The minute you step into expressiveness is because you left the essence and went into the expressiveness of this situation. In the light picture that I drew for you, you have the two lines with the emptiness in between. That will never reveal itself. That's the essence of light. Then you have those diagonal lines coming down on the sides of those two lines, which the definition is it's expressive. And the minute you get expressive, you leave shock because you've stepped away from the essence in which you will be swallowed up and you're talking about pieces of it. You can deal with that. That's why we try to get people to talk when they're in pain. That's why it's a mitzvah when you go to a shiva house to talk to the person about the loved one that passed away. Because the more you pull them into speech, the more you pull them into expressiveness, the more you're taking them out of the essence which they're not in control, they will be swallowed up by the essence, and you're moving them into the expression, the revelation, the external, where we can now be in control of it. As painful as it may be, we're not thrown into the dangerous shock. Okay? So what you're hearing over here is that in Kabbalah language, darkness is higher than light. Because light is revelation, form, shape, expressiveness. And therefore, by definition, it's lower than darkness. Because darkness is the essence itself. 
Now that we understand that from above, darkness is higher than light, which tells us why the verse states that he sits in darkness, because the essence is in such a state of beyond expressiveness, it is considered dark. By the face of this essence, everything is called dark because it's the absence of the all-powerful essence. But from every other expression, if we look at the definition of light as revelation, then essence is darkness. Enough Kabbalah for tonight. Now we're going to work on being practical. What does this mean to us? What does it mean Abraham was light? and Isaac was darkness, what does it mean to us, their offspring, in how we deal with day-to-day -day life, North Miami, 2011? There is two forms of service to God. There's above to below, and below to above. I'm going to just talk to you in my own language, I think something that we can relate to. I'm not going to be quoting now exactly what it says in Chassidus, it gives many different examples. But let's talk about this, okay? High holidays, what would you call that? Above to below or below to above? I would venture to say for tonight, that is from above to below. You wake up, even if you didn't work on it, you walk into shul, there's just an awe. It's not that you work so hard to feel this awe. You might have been running crazy prior to the high holidays in your office until late at night to catch up because you're going to have to take off now and the whole month is full of holidays so you didn't even have time to prepare yourself spiritually. You were too busy taking care of all the physical stuff. And nevertheless, when you walk into the high holidays, it's called the days of awe because the day itself impresses upon you unearned awe. So the feeling is actually from above to below. That is why Avraham, which is all about chesed, is called light. Because the entire life of Avraham was that. He was always shining unto people. He got people to become close and accept monotheism by kindness, by giving, by sharing. Physically, he fed people, he hosted people, he put up people to stay. And that shine from above brought forth a reflection. But everything comes from above to below in chesed. By definition, it is revelation. Now, what is Isaac all about? It's interesting that in the Torah, we do not see a lot about Isaac. What we see about Isaac is that he was a well digger. What does a well digger represent? from below to above. A regular Monday morning, got a rush to work, not feeling very spiritual. It's been quite a while since the holiday flavor has worn off. I've been thrown into chaos trying to make up all the lost work. There's no spirituality naturally flowing through me. What do I need to do now? I gotta work it from below to above. The concept of digging a well is another shovel out, another shovel out, another shovel out. I know for a fact that there's water down there, but it's not going to be coming down from the heavens. I got to dig and I got to dig. What does that mean to us? 
what that means to us is what I shared with you before. The soul, I know that in every single Jew, including myself, there is a soul there, a beautiful, perfect soul. But unfortunately, for whatever reasons we've been through in life, there's lumps and lumps and lumps of dirt on top of that soul. I gotta dig, and I gotta dig, and I gotta dig. I'm not waiting for an inspiration from above. I'm working it from below to above. So Abraham is all about chesed. Isaac is all about givurah. Let me share with you, parenthetically speaking, that one of the major questions the uh, commentaries ask concerning the historical part of Abraham and Isaac is that it says clearly in the verse that Abraham brought many upon many upon many into the fold. Where were they when Isaac came along? This is the son of Yorebe. It would only be normal to follow the next generation. And our commentaries tell us they all left because they were the product of chesed. They were the product of revelation, inspiration raining down upon them from above. They couldn't deal with Isaac. They couldn't deal with darkness. They were used to Abraham showering upon them inspiration. All of a sudden, Isaac is giving a new formal lecture. He's talking about digging. He's talking about the Manic Monday. Where's your spirituality then? And they left. They couldn't deal with it. But now understand that when you work with darkness and you want to uncover what lies buried within darkness, what you're going to find is that it's the unshakable, it's, it's the non-destructible essence of the light. You see, the holiday Jew who needs a holiday to feel Jewish, we don't know what's going to happen smack in the middle of July on vacation. Neither do we know what's going to happen in middle of November when there's no holidays, it's work, 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 work. But for the person whose life comes from, I would use the word self-made, and I'm not referring if such a thing exists, but the self-made light, the light that didn't shine upon me because it's a holiday, but me getting up, feeling empty, feeling darkness, the absence of spirituality, and I decide, no way, this cannot be happening. I need to find spirituality in my life. Where am I going to look? Not on the mountaintops, not on the treetops. I'm going to look within myself. I'm going to start shoveling off layers and layers and layers of dust that I allow to accumulate upon my soul by my chasing everything that's only physical and tangible. And what you're going to end up doing is you're going to use the darkness which is beneath light as the gateway into darkness which is above light. And that's called redefining darkness. I'm going to share with you a couple of stories. Let's, let's share one story. Story, actually, I didn't find this in a uh, Jewish book. I actually found this in a non-Jewish book, Dale Carnegie, in talking about living a worry-free life. Interesting book, by the way. You read the book. You're smiling. I think everyone should read the book. Very interesting. He tells a story about this lady that was 
top of the line actress on in the heights of her life and something happened with her health issue and pretty much she was going to be confined to a bed for an entire year. And to her this was like the end of the world. And then someone told her right before she was going to go through that, someone told her, you're going to see this year is going to be the most beautiful year in your life. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we're so busy running and chasing and doing and this, we never have time to stop to get to know ourselves, to get to hear ourselves, to get to express ourselves. All of a sudden, you're slammed shut, boom. You're in bed for a year. Yeah, you can be a chuchim and uh, bring out the laptop, which didn't exist in those days, and then you can be all over the world, even from your bed. Or you can stop and say, one second, one second. <laughs> you know, I once wrote an article about loneliness. And what I mentioned in the article is that loneliness is God's way of telling you, how about if we share time, just the two of us alone? redefinition of loneliness it's not the absence of a social life it's actually beautiful moments you see darkness beneath light is a portal into darkness above light if we take the time to stop quetching and deal with it the power and energy of Rosh Chodesh Kislev is exactly that light it's taking the absence of light and understanding that what God is doing to me is he's kicking me out of cruise control. He's kicking me out of just winging it upon the surface of the faculties of my soul. He's stopping me from being the, what's the famous line, line about the uh, jack of all trades, a uh, maven of none? Stop. Just stop. You've spent your whole life winging it, knowing what to say, to who to say, how to look, who to smile to. You never really even touched what lies buried within your soul. And we will never do that because we are lazy creatures by definition. We are lazy creatures. We don't do what we don't have to do. So if God allows for only light in our life, we will only be surfing those small waves. We will never experience what really lies within us. Because what lies within us is darkness. It's not coming to express itself. It's beyond expressing itself. Well, it's beyond expressing itself. How can I get to know it? Ah, so God sends every once in a while some darkness. And now that darkness can be turned into the greatest gift of becoming the ultimate darkness, which is above light, above revelation. It's the Isaac Givura strength, which goes further than the Abraham kindness. What I'm trying to share with you tonight is that when you view darkness, true, the darkness that we view in our life is always the absence of light. Because that's how we experience 
what is above light. But if we realize that this is a portal into a total different darkness, if I ask myself, what am I supposed to do with the darkness that God placed upon my plate today? And I realize that this is an opportunity to get to know a piece of me that by definition is non-knowable. Because if knowledge is revelation, this is non-knowable. How do I get to know it? Is by being it. By being it. Not by knowing it, not by expressing it, but by being within it. We will consistently find this to be a truism in our life, in relationships. Relationships that don't have bumps are relationships that have no depths. When relationships get bumpy and we can't rely on the regular moochie-smoochie, you know, little words, we've got to really buckle down. The same thing in life, with business, when you get to the point of swim or sink, these are moments in which we go into dimensions of ourselves that we didn't know exist, not because it couldn't express itself to us, because it by definition is beyond expression. That's the definition of omnipotence. That's the definition of the deepest sense of who we are, the reflection of God. So the month of Kislev, guys, the month of Kislev, Redefine darkness, simply speaking. Don't see darkness as the emptiness and absence of light. See darkness as a portal into a place of yourself which defies expression. See moments of loneliness not as the absence of friends, the absence of social life. See it as the ultimate moment that you can spend with yourself. Most of us live social lives because the one person we don't like spending time with is ourselves. Redefining darkness, guys. The month of Kislev.